Hello, my name is Matt Pullman, and welcome to episode six of Missing Words. In this episode, we sat down with director Michael Grodner. In his film, The Icarus Line Must Die, Grodner presents a band at a potentially make or break crossroads. LA-based group The Icarus Line at that point had survived a never-ending path of trials and tribulations. Drugs, cancer, major label disappointments, money issues, and watching a whole new generation of bands finding an easier path to success. Even if you didn't know who the Icarus line were, pretty much everybody can relate to the feelings of getting old or being broke or not finding your path in life. The Icarus line must die has a documentary feel, but it's a movie inspired by real events. When you're watching the movie, it's easy to feel like you're walking along with lead singer and focal point of the documentary, Joe Cardamone. You experience his day-to-day life and all the stresses that come with it. One of the inspirations for the film came from the late 70s no-wave avant-garde scene in New York City. Director Michael Grodner looked to those influences in telling this story of the band. The films of that era, I mean, there's certain ones that are, you know, sort of iconic, like Stranger Than Paradise, I would say, is an iconic film from that era, um, which which I'm a big fan of. And there's a movie called um, The Foreigner by Amos Poe, uh, which is also, you know, the inspiration I took away from those films, uh, and another movie called Blank Generation, um, which itself, the film itself, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, but the idea of making a film, say a rock and roll film, uh, where you uh, kind of make it on the streets, you cast, say, your friends or you cast musicians or artists or filmmakers to play these roles, and maybe some of them people are playing themselves. That idea and that aesthetic is what I was after, and and uh, you know, transposing that from New York to Los Angeles. Giant drag album. I don't know, man. When I have some fucking time, when I have enough money to go in there and not have to, you know, worry about paying the bills, I gotta. You don't have to worry about paying the bills. Look, I need to pay the bills, sir. That's the whole fucking thing. Why? Because the lights will go out and then we won't be able to do shit. Okay, first of all, you're living in a world of fear. You want me cigarette? About some money that's not even real. They print it on paper. It's not real. All right. Well, they they take it at the corner store. That's all I know. You are identifying with the vibration of I am broke. Saying I need tells the universe I don't have this. So, you know, you're creating the reality in which you don't have enough money. Money's not even real. It's just paper. I gotta go inside and fucking watch McQueen play. All right. Joe, you're blowing it, dude. You're missing out on something that could be really cool. All right. Look, let's talk about this later, okay? All right, bye, Joe. Bye. Some of the most poignant scenes in the movie come from when we see Joe interact with various friends from the LA scene. Friends that have dealt with hardships themselves. And one of the most striking scenes, and the one you just heard, Joe meets with his friend Annie Hardy of the band Giant Drag. Scenes like this resonate the most in the film. You feel like you are a fly on the wall watching a convo between two old friends going through some personal stuff. For Grodner, 
There was a natural chemistry there that made filming scenes like this that much easier. Joe and I wrote wrote the screenplay or the you know the that detailed outline that uh, that was the basis for the film, um, and 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 much much of it is called from Joe's life and his his experiences. Uh, in addition to that, people like Annie Hardy in that particular scene, Joe and Annie Hardy are extremely close. Uh, so they know each other really well, and they have there's a dynamic between them. Um, so they're just kind of riffing on that dynamic, uh, and that's why it seems like a very natural conversation because it's probably a conversation they've had a hundred times. LA lives and breathes throughout the film. The landscape of the city is always very much present, and at times takes on a daunting yet comforting presence. We see how a city can inspire, yet deflate you on a daily basis. Obviously, this comes down to community as well. A native New Yorker, Grodner's goal was to show the community he experienced living in LA, blended with Joe's own story and experiences with friends, music, and community. Yeah, it was a, definitely a conscious effort between Joe and I to uh, feature places in the film that are very important to Joe and to the music scene uh, and pro probably places that might have not been captured on film before. I mean, Joe is from that area, either, you know, sort of the east side of L.A. or, um, high, you know, he lives in Highland Park. So Highland Park is, is, a, is you know, prominently featured. Uh, York is prominently featured in, in the film. But... You know, there are places like, for instance, Joe and and Charlotte, uh, when they go have a con they, right before they go to a party, they're hanging out at a place called Burrito King, which is you know, just very sort of, at least for the scene or for Silver Lake or, uh, or um, Echo Park, it's kind of an iconic burrito stand. It was important for me to have these kind of touchstones in the film that, uh, and places that are, are, you know, give give the viewer someone like say yourself or someone who's not from LA an idea of what it is like, what it is, what it really truly is like to uh, either be part of the scene um, or you know what what you would get when you visit LA and and either as part of the scene or you know going to a show and where you might go afterwards. Uh, you know, everything was, all the places we shot, which is very important to have these places, you know, shooting at permanent records, shooting at future sound, uh, future music, uh, and like Burrito King or Tax or The Echo. I mean, these are places that are very integral to Los Angeles, at least the music scene that we're, we're portraying in the film. I, I mean, I've spent most of my adult life in Los Angeles and as far as the music scene here, I've become sort of a part of it or uh, in, in, in the last several years. So I don't really have much of a comparison to what, say, the, you know, comparing the music scene in New York or what's going on in you know, Brooklyn or, you know, Lower East Side to here. Uh, but 
uh, I, I have found, you know, again, over the last number of years, I do, I mean, there is, a, there is definitely a community and a community spirit. And, and that, that was evident while we were making the film as well. I mean, people kind of rallied around and, and, and we were able to, uh, you know, shoot at places and, and people were open to being in the film. And so it was, there, there is a community spirit as, as much as people might sort of look down on LA as being sort of shallow and, and whatnot. Um, the, the, the vibe is pretty good as far as sort of the indie scene in LA for the most part. LA's music scene has been redefined many times over the years. We've seen it represented with films like The Decline of Western Civilization and from bands and artists like Darby Crash and The Germs, X, Alice Bag, The Screamers, to No Age and Miko Miko. The Icarus Line were a band that never really fit into any particular mold or scene. They were sort of the perfect combo of all those genres that defined LA over the years. With friends like Ariel Pink, Justin Pearson of The Locust, and Keith Morris showing up throughout the film, you see Cardamone's range of musical and artistic friends. I mean, Joe is somewhat, in a, in a, in a way, of, at the epicenter of, of the, sort of like the underground scene or the indie scene, uh, his studio itself. Uh, Ariel Pink is, is, a, is a friend of Joe's and Ariel Pink's in the film. Uh, and, uh, but, but Keith Morris is also, uh, you know, has, has ties to Joe. I mean, Keith was working at V2 Records when the Icarus line first signed there. Uh, so there are, uh, even though, I mean, you know, you wouldn't necessarily place Ariel Pink and say the Shekel Jerks, you know, side by side. There is a commonality, um, that, that is, I mean, maybe like, you know, Joe is that kind of, that, that, common bond between a lot of these different types of, say, genres of music or people, uh, which is kind of interesting. Good to see you, man. How's it going? Just sitting here hiding from the sun. It's blazing out there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm getting ready to turn 60. Got a book in the works. That's sick. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What's the book? What's it about? Um, Circle Jerks, Black Flag, Off, V2 Records. Uh-oh. I get to talk about you guys. Oh, no. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Uh, what are you up to? What do you got going on? Finished a new record. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, for the Icarus line. Okay. I don't know where it's going. I, you know, we just did it on our own. So you recorded it in your studio. Yeah, we recorded it live. You know, kind of wrote it live. Well, that's the way that it's supposed to go down. I mean, it's rock music. It's not like we're splitting the atom. You just set up, plug in, and just blow it up. (laughs) Oh man. Well, I'd really like to hear it. Okay. That'd be. I mean. I'd love to, I'll send it over to you. If you Maybe I can help you somewhere down the line. I can help you make sure that it sees the light of day. Yeah, if you like it, maybe show it to someone. Keith, always Joe, a pleasure. Be well, Bye. be strong. I will. See ya.
When I watch a music documentary or film, my review of it always comes down to the question, would somebody that knows nothing about this band enjoy this? Too many films fall into the trap of, you weren't there, or the marketing department really messed this one up, or people just didn't get it then. While the film does aim to get the band's music in front of new ears, the film showcases the struggle of daily life and finding yourself along the way. While Grodner has directed music videos and online content, he comes from a more traditional film background and brought a different perspective on showcasing the LA music scene. Yeah, I'm a filmmaker, I'm not a musician, but I really relate with Joe and his struggle in the film. And, um, you know, I think both of us look at the film as not so much maybe about the Icarus line or about Joe himself, but it's really about, you know, an artist and what one goes through and the struggles when you're trying to, when you're, you know, trying to do something maybe that's not, you know, the, the popular thing of the moment, uh, yet you're not willing to quit and you're putting yourself out there. And, and I think a lot of people who, consider themselves creative people what i'm hoping through this film is you're able to relate with it because you know it's difficult to sort of put just put put yourself on the line and put whatever you're you know if you're creating something putting yourself out there and you know with the with the uh you know the real possibility that you're going to get slapped down people are going to say nah we don't like that um it's difficult and, uh, you know, I think people can relate with that. And that's, that's what we're trying to do with the film is, is, is make something that's, you know, resonates on a bigger scale than just say, you know, a movie about the Icarus line. Thank you for listening to episode six of Missing Words. I'd like to thank Michael Grodner for taking the time to speak with me. The Icarus Line Must Die is now available on most streaming services, and there are some select screenings happening across the U.S. For more info, check out the IcarusLineMustDie.com. Thank you to Karen at KOPR for setting up the interview, and thanks as always to Bill Schultes for producing this episode. Episode 7 of Missing Words will feature an interview with author and journalist Jessica Hopper. Stay tuned for more info on that episode at our website, missing-words.com. You can also send us feedback or kudos to the website as well. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via your favorite podcast listening service. And thanks again for listening.